at the end of the day, I just need bums through doors. And if I'm getting bums through doors, I don't care much how they did it. And that's the bottom line for most small businesses. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is James Hipkin. James, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Matt. Doing just fine. Good to see you all the way from California. We got a, I'm in Nova Scotia. We're on other ends of North America here. It's going to be a good day today. James is an accomplished forward thinking marketing professional with 30 years of multidisciplinary experience in marketing and marketing communication companies serving high-profile global brands and B2C clients in consumer packaged goods, durables, transportation, telecommunications, and financial services. He's been involved with digital marketing for more than 10 years. First, as president of a direct marketing agency, Brand Worldwide San Francisco office, where he led the evolution of the agency from traditional direct marketing to digital. They have clients including Apple, Wells Fargo Online, Bank, and Nestle. And he went on to become the head of a mid-sized agency's interactive group with Toyota as the main client. But today, we're going to talk about the hub and spoke marketing strategy, which is why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about this, because I think it's intriguing. I think it's something that could really help a lot of businesses. So why don't you tell us about the hub and spoke marketing strategy? Sure, I'd love to do that, Matt. Be my pleasure. The the hub and spoke strategy has come from the conversations we've been having with our small business customers. They tell me a consistent problem. They're really confused by the digital marketing world. There are too many options and they don't understand what most of them are. They're very familiar with traditional marketing and advertising channels. They understand spot television and radio and newspaper and all that tradition, all those traditional channels, but they're finding them to be more and more expensive and less and less effective. They want to use digital marketing. They've probably tried to use digital marketing and it just hasn't worked for them. They've, they've hired help and that, hasn't really worked. Unfortunately, there are a lot of plaid jackets in the uh, digital marketing space. They've spent a bunch of money and, and not gotten results. So we looked at this and interviewed and talked to people and we found a common pattern that they were looking at the digital marketing tactics in isolation and they needed a holistic way to look at digital marketing. And, and we came up with the wheel analogy as a way to bring the disparate pieces together. It helps them understand why they should use individual marketing channels in the digital space. Lots and lots of content out there about how to use them but not nearly as much about why to use them. So in essence, the hub and spoke strategy is uses the wheel analogy where their website becomes the hub through which everything pivots. The individual media channels are the spokes and their content and messaging strategy becomes the rim. And when they put those pieces together and they think about digital marketing in that holistic way, it really helps them, you know, understand how the pieces work together and make the pieces work effectively for them. It helps them decide which channels they should be using and which channels they shouldn't be using. It helps them avoid trying to boil the ocean, which is a, a frequent mistake that I see being made. And so when you say boil the ocean, for people maybe unfamiliar with that term, 
What do you mean by that? Trying to do too many things at once. The, the strategy that we recommend is pick a couple of things, do them well, make sure that they're working for you, and then gradually add in other channels as you can. But don't try to do too many things all at once because you end up doing none of them well. And, and really start with your audience. Take an out, we call it the outside in approach. Look very closely at who your best customers are. Look very closely at where they are online and look very closely at what their problems are. And then use the online channels that where they are to effectively communicate with them and show you them how you're solving their problems. And that often doesn't take more than one or two of the digital marketing channels to be done effectively. And then you can gradually expand out from there as your as the situation warrants. All right. So there are obviously tons of channels out there in the digital world and more coming every, you know, I, it kind of reminds me, I was, I was doing a presentation actually earlier this morning. I was doing a presentation for a group, a, a business networking group, and I was listing off all the places that our company can run ads. And probably 80% of them nobody had even heard of. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And then you have to imagine that if you're a business owner, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So you can't even think about making a strategy for something if you haven't even heard of it. And then there's also the matter that each of those channels has channels inside of it. Right. So if you go into something like Google ads, you know, there's there's display and there's pay per click and then there's smart ads, and there's local ads and there's YouTube ads and, you know, they have OTT ads and all these things. So, you know, picking a channel is it it sounds simple but i mean it's still a complicated endeavor right that's right do you think that they should be kind of bringing people in house to do these things or do you think that this is something that people should be farming out or, or what do you think that kind of combination is of of in house versus out of the house I think it's a function of scale. I think it's important if you're going to, regardless of whether you're using in-house people or hiring from the outside, you need to have a working knowledge of how these pieces work. You don't have to be an expert, but you do need to have a working knowledge. That helps you avoid the snake oil salesman. It helps you manage and direct the folks. It helps avoid the you know, new shiny thing syndrome that often is very common in digital marketing. You know, pick a few things focus on them, do them well. And whether that's an in-house resource or an external resource, just make sure that they're very focused on results. I, I had one customer said to me, at the end of the day, I just need bums through doors. And if I'm getting bums through doors, I don't care much how they did it. And that's the bottom line for most small businesses. It's a guy I worked with years ago said to me that the best way to build a brand is to get someone to buy something. That often gets lost in all of the complexity that can be digital marketing. Yeah, you see a lot of vanity metrics and things in digital marketing. And God, I mean, there's so much data. You're just buried in data in the digital marketing world. And all of that data has a place. But for the average small business owner, that place is not in front of you, right? A lot of that data is just a way for someone to find a graph that looks like it goes up and to the right. Doesn't necessarily translate into your phone ringing or your door opening at your business. Right, exactly. So I want to ask you about the shiny object syndrome for a minute because I had an interesting conversation with someone and I'm a big proponent of 
you know, business is not having shiny object syndrome, but agencies should have shiny object syndrome because we're the ones who are supposed to know how these things work so that when the business asks, we can say, okay, this is how TikTok works or this is how, you know, whatever the newest thing, this is how Clubhouse works, right? But there is this idea and you'll see people like the Gary V's of the world talk about get on the new platform while it's young so that you can build an audience while it's cheap and free. Do you think that there's some merit to jumping on the new platforms to kind of kick off the growth strategy while it's still young? Or do you think it's better to focus on some of the platforms that maybe have some more age and experience to them? I think it's better to focus on what's working. Get on the new platforms to secure your real estate so that somebody else doesn't get your name. But don't necessarily put a lot of energy into it. That gets into the trying to do too many things at the same time problem. Build gradually and let your audience tell you. Even some of the established channels, Facebook and Instagram as two examples. Facebook, generally speaking, skews older and allows for more of a message to be delivered. Instagram, generally speaking, skews younger and is a bit more flashy. It's more focused on images and pictures. If your audience is younger and your audience is in Instagram, then by all means, use that channel. But don't be wasting a lot of time on Instagram if your audience is over 40 and are business people. It's a function of where your audience is and how your audience is using social media or digital marketing channels. Email marketing is still a very effective tool, even though it's one of the oldest channels out there. I love email marketing. That's my favorite. Yep. And it's super important because in the digital world, you're replace using digital channels to replace the traditional relationship building that went on in a brick and mortar retail situation where customers would come in and you'd greet them by their name and you'd ask them about how their spouse was doing and you know what grade is their kids in school and relationships were built. You, it's harder to do that in digital marketing. And that's where email marketing can be very effective. Organic social media can be very effective. You know, it's important to maintain what others have quite can't take credit for this one, but I think it's a really good idea of the 70, 20, 10 rule where 70% of your content is all about value creation. You're, you're, you're giving away value. 20% of your content is about curating other people's content and sharing it with your audience because you think your audience will value it. And then 10% is about your company, your brand, your offer. If you keep that balance in place, and it's hard because, you know, the instinct is, oh, I need to sell. I'm spending money here. I need to sell. It's it's a difficult challenge, but I do know it works. I've built programs for large brands using this strategy, and it's paid off every single time. Yeah, the sell, sell, sell on social media just falls flat right away. It really does. Yeah, it just, it's not the right place for it. And, you know, you'll hear the analogy all the time that people use is that, you know, somebody goes to a party or something and and all they do is talk about buying stuff from them. And, you know, it's just, it's not somebody you'd want to talk to, right? It makes you look bad. Nope. And yeah, it's just, it's just poor form. Really is. So... Do you have some channels and platforms that, you know, maybe are more focused to a business to business, which is 
kind of most of the people who listen to our podcast are in that business to business world. Do you have some channels you like right now, you know, where people can kind of focus their energy a little more? Again, it depends on your audience, but um, social media, Facebook advertising can still be very effective if it's done properly. You need to recognize that you're dealing with with a funnel and understanding marketing funnels is uh, a key part of digital marketing driving i call it the ttv strategy traffic trust and value you're trying to drive qualified traffic into the top of the funnel you're using mid funnel tactics to build relationship and build trust and then at the bottom of the funnel is where there is an exchange of mutual value and that distinction is important that the value is mutual because the recognizing that they're giving you value, you're giving them value will bring a greater chance for long-term sales and long-term relationships and ongoing programs with existing customers, which is your most efficient channel. LinkedIn can be very effective. People tell me that, well, LinkedIn's a lot more expensive. My cost per lead is, you know, 2x what it is in, in social media. And yet, if you actually look at the end result, I'll pay a 2x cost per lead all day long if I'm getting better conversions and those conversions are generating a higher average purchase value. So it has, you have to look at the whole picture in order to assess these channels. LinkedIn tends to be, you know, very good at a B2B type advertising, but more mid-level corporations and larger corporations. Social media still can be very effective for smaller business-to-business type things. Right. There's also, it's very important, like you were saying, to know where your customer is. But a lot of times that takes some kind of audience research or customer avatar research that maybe, you know, your average business owner is not aware of. But a lot of times you can use a audience research tool like something like SparkToro, or you could, you know, survey your customers, right? Get some of their habits. You know, what are your favorite three social media platforms or I don't use social media, you know, like if you're searching for how to, do you use one of the following, you know, Bing, Google, YouTube, you know, and so there's ways that you can get that data. And, you know, our company, we have several brands that sell things to people in the real estate world. So real estate agents, mortgage agents, you know, title, that kind of stuff. And the people in those industries predominantly are on their cell phone constantly, right? Because they're texting back and forth with clients and they got to check in on deals and they got to go places. So they're always on the move kind of thing. And we find that those people are very easy to reach with things like Facebook and Instagram, as well as LinkedIn a bit, but not as much as we see, you know, more of a business to business, like a SaaS product or something like that, that we're selling. Those people generally we're finding you know, LinkedIn ads, LinkedIn outreach, stuff like that works really well. But everybody is in the email marketing bucket. If you have a business, you sell something, you should be doing email marketing. Absolutely. So what do you say? And you know what? This is funny. So this is a question I was asked yesterday on a live show. And they said, is email marketing dead? And my answer was no, obviously. But, you know, what would you say to somebody who thinks email marketing's dead? Have they tried it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too. Yeah, it's your list is everything. I mean, I know a guy who lives in a little house at the end of a lane on, on Vancouver Island. He sells an online course to teach people how to use MailChimp. He 
has a 30,000 person list. He generates high six figures annually out of this little course, out of this little course and his 30,000 person list. Man, we see huge conversion rates on email lists, especially since COVID. Yep. And, and, but you have to, like anything else, you have to understand it. You have to understand how to use it properly and you have to work it. Uh, you can't just, you know, once every three months, send any random email out to your list and think that it's going to be setting the world on fire. That's not how it works. Absolutely. Consistency is, is pretty key in any channel, I think. Consistency and the quality of the messaging. You know, even, you know, this is, I'm going to go way back in the dark ages now. It's not digital marketing, but it's still, the concepts are still relevant. Years ago, I had a the client that was a long distance company called Sprint. And we were working with the long, long distance division. And we went to them and said, you need to be more focused on customer communication. And we talked to them about how to go about this. And we put together a program and we were sending direct mail packages out to customers. And this is not an inexpensive thing, right? We're talking like multiple seven figure budgets here. And we weren't selling anything. Well, the fights that they had with their finance people, how can you be spending all this money? There's no sales message in this package. But we were using data segmentation to understand what products these customers were using. We were sending them valuable information about how to use the product more effectively. We were getting 50 to 60% open rates on direct mail. Wow, that's insane. I don't even think I've heard a number that high on direct mail. When we did send... A sales message, we used the information we gained out of the relationship building communications to further segment the database. So we're sending out fewer of the sales messages, so lowering the out-of-pocket cost. We were getting conversions in the high teens on these sales messages because we built the relationship. Right. I, it pains me sometimes to see some of the assets that companies have for marketing that go completely unused. And, you know, like I just recently, I was talking to a company and they, you know, would email their list, you know, like you're saying sporadically, right. They weren't every three months, but I mean, it was like once a month here, once, you know, the next month we know when somebody came up with something that they think they go, well, maybe we should tell our list about this thing. Right. They had like 46,000 people on their list. I'm like, that could be like 20 or 30% of their revenue. Instead, it's like 1% because they're never talking to their list, right? And it's just insane. So we talked about social media and, and you know, social media ads and email as channels. Are there any other channels right now do you think that small businesses should be taking a look at? I know obviously it depends on the business, but... Yeah, I, I think SEO is a channel that, that should always be in the consideration set. And particularly if you have a retail situation, local SEO can be a very, very effective and relatively easy way to build traffic to your website. Again, hub and spoke, getting the spokes to drive traffic back into the website and the website becomes a fulcrum where you're able to maximize value, get people onto your list build that relationship that you can't do historically. And this is, this is sometimes a hard sell with, with retail folks because they're going to 
I hear this all the time, particularly back pre pandemic when I was speaking more in a public situation, they'd say, what, but isn't my store the hub? They said, well, it used to be, but it isn't anymore. Not in this digital world. The website's the hub and your store is a spoke. You need to use your store to build traffic back to the website, build your email list, et cetera. And Local SEO, it can be a very effective way to build that traffic to your website. But again, local SEO is not the same as national SEO. You need to find somebody who really does understand the distinctions. I've probably spoken to a dozen different quote SEOs in the last three or four months, screening them for with the potential of introducing them to our customers. And maybe two have gotten through my screen. Wow. There's just a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people who are, you know, a mile wide to millimeter deep. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of garbage SEO out there. Don't get your SEO off Fiverr, people. Just saying. No, exactly. But as a spoke in the hub and spoke strategy, it can be and should be very effective. It should always be a consideration when you're creating content. It also really is a useful tool to help you understand what content is actually resonating with your customers, which helps you understand where your customers' mindsets are. Your question earlier about how do you research your customers and find out what it is that they're interested in, you know, organic search and how people are getting to the website and what the keywords they're using and the search intent that sits underneath the keyword. It can give you very useful insights. Yeah, intent is everything on Google. And if maybe you don't have a good understanding of intent, how it works with search engines for people listening, a good example I like to use is if you type in like pizza from your home computer, it's going to assume that you either want to get a pizza delivered or that you're looking for a recipe to make pizza because you're at home, right? Right. But if you have, you type in pizza on your mobile phone while you're moving in a vehicle, it's going to expect that you're trying to find a place to go and eat pizza because the intent is different based on the situation. Exactly. And yes, the tracking's there to do these things. Sorry, people, but it's 2021. I think we all can, can understand how much data tracking there is at this point. Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret from my past life in the traditional direct marketing and direct mail in- industry. The amount of information that people already have, even before the digital came along, the amount of information that exists on people at a household level would curl your hair. I know because we used to buy data at a company I was an IT contractor for. And you just get these massive databases and you're just like, this is like everything about somebody. You know, no wonder there's so many, there's so much hacking and stuff nowadays. Look at all the data that's out that somebody can grab. You know, don't put the correct answers in on those uh, questions they ask you for your bank. You know, like (laughs) if they're like, what year did you graduate? Do not put the year you graduated. Put, you know, change it a little bit. It'll save you all of your money. Yeah. So, James, let me ask you this. For, you know, the kind of small to medium sized business I think we have the idea of the hub is the website, right? And the spokes are the marketing channels. And then kind of your outer edges are your content and and uh, content, branding, messaging, that kind of thing, your messaging strategy. Do you have any kind of closing words on the hub and spoke strategy here for people to take home with them? I think if they if they take home one idea, the idea that 
all of the pieces will work harder if they're connected together rather than thinking of each of these individual pieces as isolated expenses. That simple idea will make a material impact on the decisions that are made around digital marketing, what to do, what not to do, and how to go about doing it. Not necessarily at an execution level. There's lots of content out there about how to do Facebook ads and things like that, but how to do it from the point of view of where your audience is, what messages are resonating with them, what channels are going to be most effective at reaching them where they are, and then using the website as a fulcrum to maximize the value creation for the customer and for the business. That simple idea of bringing the disparate pieces together when I've worked with small business owners and and that light bulb has gone off, it's made a real big difference on what they've done and what they're doing and what they don't do. They end up inevitably eliminating a bunch of things they were doing before because they were just isolated tactics that were floating around out there generating expense, but not generating any kind of result. So that it streamlines the thinking process. Absolutely. And it's, I think also it's good to, to note that it's, it's vital to know your numbers, you know, get with your CPA or your bookkeeper or whoever needs to help you figure out and look at your data and say, what is the cost of acquisition for me to get a customer? What is the lifetime value? Right. And the other side of that, I, it makes me crazy when I see in, in Facebook groups and in various places, people going, you know, 10% of sales should be spent on advertising, et cetera, et cetera. No, that's not correct. You need to understand your allowable cost per order. And that allowable cost per order is a profit first calculation where you're understanding your direct cost, you're understanding your indirect cost, and you're understanding your profit. And that helps you understand how much you can spend to acquire a customer because you take those expense numbers and you take them away from your average order value. And the number that's in between is your allowable cost per order. And that's how you drive your advertising budget. Right. Man, I've had that conversation uh, a lot of times with people and the, the light bulb goes on when they think, oh, wait, I need to include profit before I put in the cost of acquiring a customer. Right. <laughs> and that, you know, you would think it's obvious, right? But it's not until somebody tells it to you. Exactly correct. I mean, we ran our agency for a couple of years before we were like, let's take the profit off the top. And I mean, it's amazing and it's a good shift in mindset. And then, man, once you know your numbers... It gets real easy to start making decisions, right? Exactly right. If you could talk to somebody who, you know, who understands, you know, let's take Facebook advertising for a good example, right? If you know how many people go to, let's say you have a landing page on your website. If you know how many people it takes to go to that landing page on your website for you to go to, to get a customer and you know what the cost of acquisition is or the, or the amount of money you can spend to acquire that customer, then you can look at the numbers on something like a Facebook ad and see how much it costs to get that number of people into your funnel. And then, you know, you could divide that by the cost, you know, CPC, right? Or the cost of acquisition or whatever it is, right? Your ROAS numbers. There's different ways to make the calculation, right? Sure. You can, you can fine tune the bits and pieces in the middle, but at the end of the day is, are you getting customers for your allowable cost per sale. Right. And and you need to add in those top of funnel budgets as well, where you're just feeding the pixel, 
right? You're driving traffic back to content without a sales message necessarily, but you're just driving traffic back to the website to build your audience using the, the pixel. That's still part of that calculation. And there is a big failure in that in a lot of campaigns where people look at it and they say, these ads aren't driving direct conversions, so I'm going to turn them off. Exactly. And that's a mistake. And that's a mistake. And we're on the same page on everything. <laughs> hey, and I can give you a real life example. Sure. One of our customers is a guy, it's an e-commerce situation. He sells a very specific kind of orchid. So does it get any more niche than that? Probably not. <laughs> He is very good at organic social media. He is very good at getting his presence out in organic groups and, and using Facebook and his beautiful photography of the plants, et cetera, et cetera. We'll run a little digital marketing campaign for him. We might spend $300 on retargeting ads based on traffic that he's generated using social media and email marketing back to the website. He might spend $300. He will typically generate three to $5,000 in sales. Nice. That's a good, that's a good return on investment. 20 X your money. Exactly right. But it, it didn't happen overnight. It took, it took him a while to, to embrace what it was we were talking about and understand, you know, how to use the website as a fulcrum and, and then how to use some of these organic channels and how to tie things together in a holistic way, the way I've been talking. But my God, the payoff. I mean, he's, he's such a happy guy. Right. You know, we have a client in, in using a different, like, I mean, the same idea of strategy, but on a different platform. And we're using YouTube ads and uh, for a real estate brokerage. And we have these just little short like bumper ads, right? The ones that you can't skip at the beginning. They're like six seconds. So we have these ads running. We have them running just in the localized area that the brokerage works in. And, you know, we run 35, 40,000 views of these things a week, which sounds like a lot, but that costs like about $60, right? I mean, it's super cheap to run these ads. And uh, he's got a client who's, who's coming back from China, works with Intel, right? He's coming back from China. And uh, gets in his car and, and he's in his phone and he's, you know, watching YouTube videos in in, the, his, in his Uber or whatever, right? On the way to go because he's going to come back and look for a house. And there he sees my client, right, on YouTube. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the guy who sold me my house before. And uh, hits the button, right? Gives him a call. Sells him a $1.7 million house. There you go. So it's crazy what you can do when you, you know, you and you got everything down, you know the right channels to use and... And, uh, you know, you have that hub and spoke system set up, which I really like the, the analogy behind that. James, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way would be to go to our small business website subscription website. It's innately.com, I-N-N-8-L-Y. So it's I-N-N, the number 8-L-Y.com. This is a the product that we've developed that sort of answers the the what we hear from folks who've tried Wix and they've tried Squarespace and Uncle Louie built them a WordPress site. And they've discovered that contrary to what the fashion model on the TV ad said, it's just really not that easy. So we've used our expertise to build a solution that is specifically targeted to small business owners who want to have that online presence look professional, et cetera, but don't want to become a webmaster. Right. And uh, man, 
there's so much so much gold in this episode for people you know because marketing is is a tough thing you know when you're a business owner and you have all those other things to deal with you know marketing is just one more thing you got to deal with and there's like you said there's a lot of a lot of plaid shirts out there there's uh, a lot of snake oil salesmen in this world and uh, just to reiterate don't buy your seo off of uh, fiverr people so uh, james thank you so much for being on the show today it's been an absolute pleasure, Matt. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I've enjoyed almost meeting you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so fun, you know, digital, meeting digital. I'm actually going to be down in, in your neck of the woods here in September. So maybe I'll, I'll hit you up. We can uh, get a coffee or something. That would be awesome. I'd love that. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.